Alright, go ahead and take your Bibles tonight. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 17. Tell you, the Word of God is such an amazing book. Uh, I mean, you know, you can read through it, read through it, read through it, and you just, you're never going to get all of it. And you just keep, keep, that's why I just keep going back and keep learning. And God shows you things sometimes that you never noticed before. And, uh, you know, it's, that's why you just want to get as much of it in your head as you can. I'm all excited. I got the Bible, uh, on MP3 and where you can listen to it. And with, uh, I do you know, a lot of driving and so I have time and I've got, I've got the entire audio Bible on my phone. I mean, man, you just gotta love, you know, technology. I know it gets people in trouble sometimes, but boy, there's some good things about it. And I was, I was excited about that and I started listening through it yesterday and it helps a lot when you hear it too. You know, sometimes when you're reading things, uh, you kinda tend to just blank, you know, space out and things. And uh, I, at least I do anyway, and have tough, trouble focusing. But when you're hearing it, sometimes that is a little bit better, and I, I definitely enjoy doing that. But um, you know, many times when you read the Bible, you're going to come across things that you know. Let's just admit, uh, we get a little confused sometimes. We get a little lost, and especially for me, uh, I remember you know the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. Um, I would get really, really confused because it repeats a lot of the stories, and then you get confused because they're talking about you know the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah and the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and it's going all over the place, and you you just kind of, you get lost and you kind of get confused about where you're at in history, and there's so many names and there's some weird names, and you just really get lost. And I remember. Oh, a long time ago, I thought, you know, I'm going to try to see if I can't get this figured out. And I, I went and I took my time and I went through all these kings. And I, what I did is I kind of made my own timeline of the kings in the southern kingdom and in the northern kingdom. And I kind of laid it all out because I said, maybe I'm just a little bit slow sometimes. And I thought, I want to kind of get an understanding of who these guys are and understand what's going on when I'm reading these passages. And when I did that, there was all kinds of things that uh, I started noticing when I was reading these passages that really spoke to me and really helped me and gave me a better grasp of these passages. And one of the things that I, I noticed in here, that uh, I, I noticed some things about one in particular king in that we're going to talk about in Second Chronicles. But before we uh, read our text, I want to ask you a question and it's something that, uh, you know, I think the answer in a way is fairly simple, but I don't want you to answer, but I just want you to think about this question. And that is, can you be used of God and disobedient? Can you be used of God and disobedient? You know, I want God to use me, but, you know, maybe I don't necessarily like all the things that God wants me to do. So, could I still, you know, be used of Him and maybe only obey some of the things, just kind of pick and choose. A lot of times people will uh, point at other folks maybe that God is using maybe to do a lot of great things and they'll point at areas in their life where maybe they're disobedient and they'll use that as maybe an excuse to justify something that they're wanting to do. And the question keeps coming, God's using them, so it must not be that big of a deal. And I, you know, I've, I've heard that question before, and it's something I've thought about. But we're going to look at a man in the Bible that God used in a great way that was a good king, 
But he was disobedient. But there were some consequences that came along with it. And I want us to take a look at those things. But just a couple other examples real quick before we get into this guy. Think about Samson. God definitely used Samson, didn't He? I mean, God used Samson to defeat the Philistines. But was Samson an obedient person? Not very. And the greatest victory that Samson had ended with him dying, didn't it? And I th- I personally believe if Samson would have been obedient, he could have defeated all those guys and walked away from it. Uh, you know, uh, Jacob, he was another example. You know, very loved of God. God used him in a lot of great ways. But Jacob, he had some issues. He was very deceptive. He had some problems. But there were consequences that went along with that. He was very deceptive. Remember what his boys did to him? Almost killed him. How they deceived him when they uh, said that Joseph was killed by an evil beast. But the truth is, they had sold him. Kind of, you know, that statement goes around, comes around. He got that. Ahab. God used Ahab to um, probably one the most wicked king out of all of them to defeat the Syrians. Balaam, he was used to deliver a message from God in spite of his perverse ways. Numbers 22.32 talks about it. So God can use people when they're disobedient. But, you know what? Uh, I wouldn't be a very good preacher if I was going to encourage that and say, hey, you're okay to be disobedient. I think we need to look at the Bible and see just what happens. And we're going to look today at a man named Jehoshaphat. Big name, but Jehoshaphat, he was he was a, a good king but and did a lot of good things. But there were some areas that the Bible mentions where he was disobedient. And as we read about him and we read about the next generation, this morning we talked about uh, the fathers and about how what we do affects the next generations. And we see this very clearly in the life of Jehoshaphat. But Second Chronicles chapter 17, verse 3, it says, And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents and he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and the groves out of Judah. Okay, good king here. He did a lot of good things. And not only did he do a lot of good things, but because of that, God blessed him. That's another thing people will do sometimes. Maybe they'll look at someone and say, God's using them. God's blessed them. But then they will maybe bring out an area where they're disobedient. And I'm not saying that anybody's perfect. But boy, we got to be careful about looking at something that somebody else is doing that we know is biblically wrong and trying to justify that based on the fact that God's using them or based on the fact that God has even blessed them. Josh, that was a very blessed person. But then let's read. And then also in verse 12, "...and Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly, and he built in Judah castles and cities of store." So Jehoshaphat was a good king. He wasn't perfect, but he was definitely better than most. Uh, there was, but there were some areas in his life that he clearly was disobedient, but God still used him. And the question that can come to people's mind is, well, can I be used of God and be disobedient? And the truth is, yes, you can. You can be used of God and disobedient, but you know sometimes the way God might use you is in a bad way. You know, if you ever, uh, he may use, you know, there's a, 
I believe it was in the story. I don't have this in my notes, but Aaron's son, I believe it was Nadab and Abihu, the ones that offered strange fire. They disobeyed God, and God ended up killing them. And God makes a statement after that. He said, I will be glorified. What they were doing was not glorifying God. But when they God killed them for what they had done, God got glorified in that. All of a sudden, Eliezer and Ithamar, the next ones, they looked like, you know what? We probably better not offer any strange fire. See what God did to our brothers? And then they were obedient. And God, God was glorified. But you don't want to be used in that way. You don't want to be used as the bad example. And, uh, and the truth is, that's what's going to happen when you're disobedient. But let's keep reading about Jehoshaphat in 1 Kings 22, verse 43. It says, And he walked in the ways of Asa his father. He turned not aside from it, doing that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for the people offered and burnt incense yet in high places. Jehoshaphat did a lot of good things, but you got to remember, Israel had gone, they had, and they were pretty far gone during, I believe it was Abijah's, uh, his grandfather's reign. Asa, Jehoshaphat's father, he was a good king, and things got better, and things got even better under Jehoshaphat, but there was still some stuff that needed to be taken care of. There was things that needed, they needed to get rid of, and he didn't do those things. He didn't. They still had the high places there. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he thought, you know what, I've done enough. The kingdom has gotten so much better under my reign. I mean, things are, uh, God is blessing us. God's obviously pleased with what I'm doing. You know, I'm going to let, I'm going to let this one go. I don't know if I want to fight that battle. I don't know what he was thinking. But 2 Chronicles 18.1 says, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Remember, Jehoshaphat, he's the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. They were the good ones. That was where the line of David was in those kings. It's pretty much any of the good kings that you read about in 1 and 2 Chronicles or those that did right in the eyes of the Lord, they were always in the southern kingdom. Sometimes they were uh, they were evil, but uh, any of the ones that were good were almost always from the southern kingdom. There was maybe a couple exceptions in the northern kingdom. I think Jehu, well, they said he did right in the eyes of the Lord. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody else. Jeroboam started out good, but went bad real fast. But uh, the, that, so Jehoshaphat, he's the southern kingdom where in, that reigned in Jerusalem. But in the northern kingdom, it was Ahab. And boy, you probably remember Ahab. Ahab, he was the evil one. He was the one that wanted Naboth's vineyard. And when he couldn't get it, he went and started pouting in his bedroom one day. And his wicked wife Jezebel came to him and tried to comfort him. And she went and had Naboth killed so Ahab could have that vineyard. I mean, I mean, Ahab was just, I mean, wicked, wicked, wicked. Not one good thing is said about Ahab. And Jehoshaphat, he kind of joins up with him. And he joined up with him because they had a common enemy. The Syrians were going after both of them. They thought, we know we need to work. We need to work together. Even though Ahab is a wicked king. But at the same time, God wasn't pleased with it. Jehoshaphat made a big mistake joining up with Ahab. They fought a battle together, and that battle that they fought together, they lost. Jehoshaphat survived, but much of his army ended up being killed. And Jehoshaphat, after that, he ends up receiving a rebuke from one of the prophets of God. 2 Chronicles 19, verse 1, And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem, 
And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. Notice Jehoshaphat, he had, he had a good heart. His intentions were great. He's like, you know, Ahab, man, I mean, these are fellow Hebrews. These are fellow, you know, children of Israel. These are my brothers. You know, I, I, maybe he wanted to reach across, you know, politicians, they always talk about reaching across the aisle. You know, well, I tell you, you reach across the aisle, a lot of times you're holding hands with the devil. And it's usually, uh, you know, holding hands with the devil on both sides. But that's, I don't know, Jehoshaphat, he's thinking that way. He's thinking, you know, we need to join up with him. Maybe I can help. Maybe I can turn him towards God. But the man of God comes along and says, Shouldst thou help the ungodly? He didn't want him joining up with them. And he receives a rebuke, but he didn't listen. He didn't listen to that, that man. The next one, Ahab's son, Ahaziah. Jehoshaphat joined up with him. Second Chronicles twenty thirty five says, and after this did Jehoshaphat the king of Judah join himself with Ahaziah king of Israel, who did very wickedly, and he joined himself with him to make ships go to Tarshish, and they made the ships in Ezion Geber. Then Eleazar the son of Dodavah of Marisha prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord hath broken thy works, and the ships were broken that they were not able to go to Tarshish. So once again, Joshua, he, you know, God was merciful to me. He sends one of his prophets along to say, "Hey, you need to rebuke the man of God. You need to rebuke Joshaphat for joining up with Ahab. He didn't listen. Ahab dies, and I don't know. Maybe he thought, ah, oh, son's not as bad. He's a little better. I want to help him, but he doesn't. Ahaziah was wicked too. He was just like his father. He was wicked, and he joins up with him, and you know, he wants to work together. He wants to work together with him." And God said, I've broken your works. God didn't bless the works that they did together. He broke up those ships. You know, in churches today, a lot of times people are, are wanting to join up with all, you know, let's bring all the faiths together and let's all, you know, let's all have unity. And I'm all for having unity, but that as long as we're in agreement that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, as long as we believe that He's the only Savior, as long as we believe that the only way to heaven is by you know asking Jesus for forgiveness and trusting in Him for salvation. But if people aren't going to agree with that, then we're not going to be able to have unity. If they want to worship other gods or other people, we can't really have unity. But many people, in the, you know, in the name of unity, well, let's let's join up, let's you know hold hands with these people. And Jehoshaphat, because he did this, it hurt many people. There was a lot, of, like I said. Well-meaning, well-intentioned, but it ended up causing a lot of problems. One group that it hurt, the men from his army who died in the battle that he fought with Ahab. You remember that that story about how Ahab died? How that uh, that man he went Ahab he went disguised as just a regular soldier, so people would know he was the king. And all of a sudden, that man drew a bow at a venture. The Bible says, just kind of pointed up and just took a shot into the crowd and got Ahab. Jehoshaphat was with him in that battle. Shouldn't have been there, but he was. But God, God was not going to help him in that battle. God was upset with Ahab. Ahab was a very wicked king, and many people in Jehoshaphat's army died fighting in that battle where God was not going to bless them. 
Listen, we want to be careful not to get involved in things that God's not going to bless and that God's not going to work. I want want God's blessing on anything that I do. Because without Him, we can't do anything to begin with. I want God's blessing. We've got to be careful. You know, the truth is, innocent people will suffer as a result of our disobedience. Now, I wonder, uh, you know, what... What happens, you know, because because of our disobedience, because we don't follow the word of God like we're supposed to, because we don't know witness like we should. The truth is, you know, we'll probably never know until we stand before God what we missed because of disobedience. But I tell you, we we need to take it serious. We need to take it serious. But then notice also the men who perished with the ships and that suffered as well as their families. All these people who worked in these ships or maybe died on those ships when God broke those things up. God's not going to bless the works of disobedience. Listen, I want God to bless the work that we do. I don't want my labor to be in vain. I want it to count for something. I mean, it ought to be all our desires to have God's blessing on whatever we do. Tell you too many people today they get caught up in the works of their own hands and get caught up in what they what they can do themselves. And I listen. I I want more than that. I want God's power on my life. I want His blessing. But we're not going to get it if we're being disobedient. We might do some great things as far as the world's concerned. We might be able to impress some people. But that's listen. I want more than that. I want God's hand on what I do. And listen, just because God has blessed you in one area doesn't mean He's going to do it in every area. I want God to bless my family. I want to raise a good family. And if that's going to happen, I need to follow the Word of God. But I don't want to just raise a good family. I want to have a good church. I mean, I need to follow the Word of God in that area. If you want to have a good business, you need to follow the principles of the Bible in that area. God's going to bless you in the areas where you're obedient to Him. And Jehoshaphat, for the most part, he was obedient, but he there. But one, there's one area that really I think that all this other stuff, okay, it ought to scare us a little bit. But boy, the one area where Jehoshaphat really got in trouble, and the ones that it really affected, that ought to get all our attention, was what it did to his children. And that's the main thing I want us to focus on, especially this being Father's Day, on about who gets hurt when we're disobedient. Because if you are disobedient, many times it's, you don't. Many people they just don't care about hurting others. They don't care who in the world suffers. They don't care if the church suffers. But the truth is, hopefully, if you care about anybody, you at least care about your children. You care about your family, and you want to do the right thing by them. But notice what happened. To Ahab's children. You know, this is more of a, just a, a teaching lesson tonight, kind of going through some Bible history. But Second Chronicles chapter twenty-one, and I'll tell you, we didn't have time to go into any of this this morning, but this really goes in well with the message that was preached this morning. Second Chronicles twenty-one, verse one. Now Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and Jehoram his son. Reigning instead. I want you to remember Jehoshaphat. He's he's a good king. He was a good king. He loved God. He had a good heart. He was obedient for the most part, but he had some areas where he didn't obey. Jehoram, that's Jehoshaphat's son, who ends up reigning after him. It said, and he had the brethren, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah, Jehiel, Zechariah, and Azariah, and Michael, and Shephatiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. 
And their father gave them great gifts of silver and gold and of precious things which fenced cities in, uh, with fenced cities in Judah. But the kingdom gave he to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Now when Jehoram was risen up to the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and slew all his brethren with the sword and divers also of the princes in Israel. Jehoram was thirty and two years old when he began to reign. And he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. Notice what happens. Jehoram, Jehoshaphat's son, the good guy. The good king. The guy who had a good heart, but he compromised in the area of who he associated with. And his next son comes along and he kills all of his brothers. He kills all the princes. I mean, can you imagine? Now, I know Jehoshaphat's dead at this point, but can you imagine if he would have known that his son was going to do that, kill all his brethren? No doubt Jehoshaphat loved his children. He gave the kingdom to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. But where did Jehoram get the idea to kill all of his brothers? Where did he get the idea to do that? Well, in verse 6 we see, "...and he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel." like as did the house of Ahab. For he had the daughter of Ahab to wife, and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Howbeit the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and as he promised to give a light to him and to his sons forever. Notice it said he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Why was he so familiar with their ways? Well, because his dad was good friends with Ahab. Jehoram, obviously, he was involved. He was probably there in the battles. He was probably there close to his father. When his father's fighting along Ahab, he probably knew Ahab pretty well and had he might have had a relationship with him. And Ahab talked about how, yeah, you know, when I was a king, I made sure I got rid of all my brothers. Anybody that might come along and try to take the kingdom from me, I wiped them out. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deal with that. In Jehoram, he becomes king and he's like, you know what, I remember Ahab. I got I got some advice from Ahab one time. And he goes and he, I mean, does this horrible, cruel, wicked act that no doubt he got from the kings of Israel. The Bible says he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. And not only that, not did he just have that association, but he had the daughter of Ahab to wife. He married the daughter of Ahab. What was he thinking there? What was that all about? But that's what he did. But Jehoram, like his father, he made friends with the kings of Israel. And Jehoram, he even went a step further. He became like the kings of Israel. And then finally, he even goes further. He marries the daughter of Ahab. And who do you think her mom was? Jezebel. Jezebel! He married the daughter of Jezebel. We talked about this morning. How my dad always gave me that advice when looking for a wife. Look at the mom. You think you think Jehoram would have done that? It's like, man, you know what, Jezebel. Jezebel. <laughs> that says it all right there. Jezebel. That's not a compliment. That's an insult. You know, that's that's who his mother-in-law was. You think he'd say, hey, no. You know, but you know, many times whenever kings' uh, sons. That you know, would marry with other kingdoms. It was kind of a a peace thing. They would. It was easy for those kingdoms to have peace 
if the two kings, you know, shared grandkids. You know, Ahab's going to be less likely to go and destroy or fight with the kings of Judah if the king is his son-in-law and his daughter is there and his grandkids are there and they would get so and they the truth is they were way too involved and Jehoram he goes and marries her and the truth and because of that he ends up being like the kings of Israel and the family of Jehoshaphat it was nearly completely destroyed but God God spared one and for only one reason not because of Jehoshaphat remember this morning we talked about how what you do as a father, the blessings, they can be passed on. We talked about you know, because of Abraham obeyed God's voice. God promised to bless Isaac. And the only because of David was this entire family not completely wiped out. We see that there in verse 7. It says, Howbeit the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that He had made with David. And as He promised to give a light to him and to his sons forever. That was the only reason. God would, I believe God would wipe them all out. But David, once again, the blessings of David were being passed down. Well, that's why we need to pass those things out. Pass those blessings down. And David uh, had done that, and so God, God spares him. There's one left. And other than that, Jehoshaphat's family was nearly completely destroyed. We see also in verse 16... On uh, 17, moreover, the Lord stirred up against Jehoram the spirit of the Philistines and of the Arabians that were near the uh, Ethiopians. And they came up into Judah and break into it and carried away all the substance that was found in the king's house and his sons also and his wives, so that there was never uh, a son left to him save Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. So Jehoram, I mean, he was so wicked that God ends up destroying all of his children except one. There was one that God spared. Once again, because of that promise to David, thank God for David. Thank God for him. Thank God for what he did. But then finally, Jehoram, look what ends up happening to him in verse 18 and 19. And after all this, the Lord smote him in the bowels with an incurable disease. And it came to pass that in the process of time, after the end of two years, his bowels fell out by reason of his sickness. So he died of sore diseases and the people made no burning for him like the burning of their fathers. Now, I don't know what that disease is called, but I hope I don't get it. That just that doesn't sound like a good way to go. He didn't die a hero fighting in a battle. He didn't, he didn't die a heroic death. He didn't live that full long life. He got this incurable disease that just sounds horrible and sounds disgusting because this... This man, this king, Jehoram, he somebody that God wanted to bless. This was somebody that was in the line of David. Not only that, Jehoram is also in that royal line that goes to Christ. This was supposed to be a godly line. But it was one that the devil attacked. And the devil was able to get in there when he got Jehoshaphat to join up with Ahab and his family and they got so connected, they got so intermingled that it ended up, it ended up destroying Jehoram. He was such a wicked king, he wiped out all of his own family. He ended up, uh, he ended up uh, dying this horrible death. And Jehoram's wife, and listen to this, so Jehoram, he dies. But you know what? It, it gets worse. Jehoram's wife, her name was Athaliah, ended up trying to kill all her grandchildren. 
Uh, chapter 22, verse 10 there in Second Chronicles. It says, But when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the seed royal of the house of Judah. Ahaziah, Jehoram's son, he became king. And when he died, I don't believe he was king for very long, Athaliah decides, you know what? Remember, this is Jezebel's daughter. It's like, you know what? I'm in charge now. We're going to let the queen run the show now. And she destroys all the seed royal. These are her grandchildren. Can you imagine a grandmother killing her own grandchildren? I mean, I, I, I you know, you, you hear stories every now and then that are just horrible about th- you know mothers killing their own children, which is just so unnatural. It's so it's so bizarre, but it happens. You don't hear a whole lot about grandmothers doing that. The truth is, grandmothers today many times are the ones uh, that end up raising the grandchildren. We're seeing that more and more in our culture today. But here we have a grandmother that is killing her own grandchildren. Why? For power. Just for power. Who would do that kind of thing? The daughter of Jezebel. That's the kind of person that would do that kind of thing. Why in the world would Jehoram marry her? Well, I mean, can you imagine if Jehoshaphat would have somehow been able to know that, you know what, my friendship with Ahab is going to lead to peace. We're going to get along. But my son's going to marry his daughter. She's going to be like her mother and worse. He's going to kill all of his brothers. My sons. His wife is going to kill all of her grandchildren. My great-grandchildren. I guarantee you, Jehoshaphat could have known the consequences of what this union was going to do. He never would have had anything to do with it. He would, there's no way, but God spares Jehoahaz, the youngest of his sons. And it's an amazing story how God protected him and how God ended up restoring him and making him king. And God ended up killing Athaliah and getting rid of her. But what a horrible, a horrible path that went there. You know, James 4 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be friend of the world is the enemy of God. Listen, I'm I'm not the kind of person. I'm I'm not the kind of person who wants to stir up hate and make you hate everybody. We don't need to hate everybody. We ought to love people. We ought to love this world. You ought to love your neighbors. You ought to love people that are even in false religions. But when we talk about joining up with them, I'm talking about doing some of the things that they do. I'm talking about you know compromising and being unequally yoked. The Bible says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Not to oh, what fellowship hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? I mean, marrying a lost person—dangerous thing to do. It almost always goes bad when that happens. And the Bible says, "Friendship with the world is enmity with God." I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a battle with God because I'm going to lose. We're all going to lose every time, and it happened here. And what a horrible story! And we see here that you can be disobedient to God in certain areas and still be used and maybe even still be blessed. Jehoshaphat was. But the truth is, you're not going to be used as much as you would be used if you were obedient. And so yeah, I can be used of God and be disobedient. But the truth is, look at those long-term consequences. We live in a world today that does not think about... They don't think about their future. They're not looking ahead. People today, they're thinking only about right now. Right now. 
They're not, they're not thinking, you know, when they, the decisions that they make, they're not thinking, how's this going to affect my kids? You know, what, what's this, what's this going to do to them? Whenever, I mean, they'll, parents, you know, they, once again, they let Hollywood kind of determine how they run things and, I mean, they'll let their kids date whoever they want. It's like, hey, nothing wrong with getting involved in that. Say, uh-uh. But you got, I tell you, you got to be careful what you allow in your life and what you get involved in. The, the effects, they might not be so bad for you for Jehoshaphat. God bless him. His, his, his reign, for the most part, was a pretty good one. He had some battles, there were some difficulties, but for the most part, it was good. God bless them. I've, I've seen that a lot where there's, you'll have one generation where, you know, they're involved in church and they're good Christians and God used them, they're a blessing. You know, they're, maybe, you know, they, they compromise in some areas. But many times what you see there is the next generation, they, it's just kind of a natural thing to go take things a step further the wrong way. Maybe, you know, for me, I was like, you know, Alright, I'll I'll make friends with all the other religions. We'll participate in their meetings, you know. I mean if they you know aren't completely following the word of God, that's fine, you know. I want to be friends. Maybe I can reach out to them, maybe I can win them over. And may they won't affect me. I, you know, I'd like to think that I could go and I for the rest of my life, every Sunday, I could sit in any church and them not change my beliefs. But wouldn't that be foolish? Because while they might not win me over, what if they get my kids? What if they win them over? My kids are, are there. If they're involved in that church, if we're fellowshipping with that church where they're teaching uh, false doctrines, good chance my kids, they might meet a girl over there. My daughters might meet a boy over there. Says, hey, you know, well, let's get them and get married. You know, you, you can't say you can't marry somebody because they're a false religion. I mean, look how many movies. And they've made where people, you know, Jews married Christians or Christians married Mormons, and it all worked out great. It was wonderful. That's Hollywood, folks. <laughs> in real life, it doesn't work. I've talked to so many people, even just here in town. You'll be out knocking on the doors, and yeah, yeah. It's like, I, you know, I'm a Baptist. I've always been Baptist, but you know, I married a Catholic. And you know what? It usually, and you, you talk to them a little more. Yeah, we don't go to church anywhere now. <laughs> we couldn't agree, so we just don't go anywhere. Well, that worked out real well. <laughs> that worked out. Both religions ended up losing them. I've talked to so many people like that, and it always it always ends bad. Everybody thinks they're going to be the exception, but you're not going to. But boy, that story! I remember when I when I read that and I saw that, I thought, wow, what a, what a horrible thing! It just got worse from generation to generation, and we're seeing that. We talked about it again this morning. How you know the truth is. Christianity should be grown if we would if we would just win our families and they would win their families well we would be growing at a very rapid rate but we're not but we're not reaching them they say you know the Muslim religion is one of the fastest growing religion you know why they're they're winning all their family they're passing it on and just they're naturally growing just having kids and grandkids it expands my dad he came from a family with nine kids. My grandma, when she died, I believe she had somewhere around 39 grandkids and about 40 great-grandkids. And it's even more than that now. I don't, I don't even know what it is. That's a lot. There's a lot in that family. Can you imagine it? And my, my grandma and grandpa, they were, they were saved people, but they didn't, they didn't get all of them. Can you imagine if they had gotten all of them? My mom, 
uh, on her side of the family, she only had one sister. There's two sisters. But uh, between those two sisters, there's 13 children. And so far, all of them have gotten saved and they're all involved in church. And uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping we can keep that going. I'm at least hoping it doesn't mess up with me with me on my side of the family. But can you imagine? I mean, it went from just my grandma and grandpa, just a small family of four, to however many it is now. I can't add that fast. But if we got we got to pass those things on, and but we've got to be careful what we allow in our life. It can have some very dangerous results. It, sometimes those things they don't show up for years to come, maybe for another generation or two. But we got to be thinking about that. We got to start thinking about future generations. It's, but once again, it's not it's not a part of our culture today. It's definitely not like that in our country. You think our politicians right now are paying you know even paying attention to what we're doing to our kids and our grandkids with the amount of debt that we're racking up like crazy? They're not. No, they're not thinking. Uh, it's for our kids, grandkids. They're not. You know who who cares? I care. <laughs> I care. I want to. I want to pass on something good. I, thank God our forefathers had a completely different mindset. I mean, those guys... I mean, you have guys like Patrick Henry who said, give me liberty or give me death. A very rich man. People, they, they say that they questioned his patriotism. People didn't really trust him at first because he was so rich. And from what they say, that he wore a lot of jewels and things and wore very expensive clothes because he, he was a very rich, wealthy person. And finally, he got up and he gave that one speech that one time, that give me liberty or give me death. And that's when people kind of figured out whose side that he was on. You know, and you know why he was like that? Because he wasn't in it for him. He didn't mind giving his life, a good life that he had, because he wanted to leave something better for his children and for his grandchildren. He wanted them to have freedom. And those people willingly, a lot of them rich men, gave their lives. You know why? Because they were thinking about their children and their grandchildren. They could have made some compromises and you know they could have worked with England and made, you know, but they were they knew what it would do in the future. Those guys they had some foresight there and they uh, they made some great sacrifices. We're not doing that in this country today. Let's just kick the can down the road as they say. And many times uh, when it comes to doing right, I mean, you're going to have to make some stands. Jehoshaphat, if he would have got rid of those high places they worship, if he would have uh, not joined up with Ahab, no doubt, there's absolutely no doubt at all that there would have been some hard battles fought. It would have been tough. But I believe the end result for the next generation would have been a whole lot better. His son wouldn't have married Athaliah. His son wouldn't have learned to kill all of his brothers. His, uh, you know, his son's wife wouldn't have been wicked enough to kill her own grandkids. So many things would have been would have been, would have been avoided if Jehoshaphat would have looked a little farther down the road. And we need people that will do that. We we need to do that. We got we got to start that so we can pass on something good to our children. So with that, let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.